Welcome to another captivating episode of Raw Momversations, where fearless moms and experts unite to explore alternative practices. Hey there, I'm Ali. And I'm Melania. Our mission is to empower your one-of-a-kind parenting journey. Join us as we explore unconventional birthing and parenting methods. Get ready for inspiration, authentic stories, and unwavering family love. Together, we're rewriting our rules of parenting one bold step at a time. So without further ado, let's kick off this empowering conversation. Raw Momversations, where fearless motherhood leads the way. So today in studio, we have somebody really special with us. She played a significant role in both my pregnancy and Ali's. Ali, what is the first thing that comes to mind when you think of our guest today? Kegels. (laughs) For me, it's blueberries. I feel like you'll touch upon this. We have an experienced pelvic floor therapist, Leanne, here with us today in studio, and she's our first in-studio guest. Welcome. Thank Thank you, you guys. Thank you for having me. Hi. I'm so excited. Yeah. Same. Leanne, why don't, to start off with this, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? So I currently work in the private sector as a physiotherapist. I used to work both in Montreal and Laval, but recently this month I made the, I made a big change to work just in Laval, which is closer to home and closer to family. So a bit easier for me. Um, so when I started off early on in pelvic health, I actually worked as a clinician in a research lab where we would collect data comparing different protocols. So for example, uh, for urinary incontinence in women and for women who had pain with sex as well. And so that was a really nice part of my journey. And about five years ago, I went on to teach um, the laboratory section, which is more of the hands-on manual therapy part for students at the University of Montreal, where I assist the students um, with with uh, where they need help and ask questions and for exams. So I help with that as well, in addition to working in the private sector. And I also, yeah. Yeah. No, go. I don't want to know what else. Because I want to say that's more professionally, but I also have a wonderful family. Um, so um, I've been with my husband for 17 years now and he's wow. been really, it's wonderful because he's been able to follow my journey into pelvic health and really support, you know, every chapter of becoming where I am today. So I feel like he played a big part of that. And together we have two wonderful boys. So JJ is eight years old and Joey is seven. That's exactly where I was going. I was going to say, and you're also a mom of two. And so do you want to tell us a little bit about your two pregnancies? Yeah, sure. So I would say generally I did have really nice pregnancies, um, but I will say that I gained quite a bit of weight um, during my first and even with my second and that I had big babies. And so for reference- How big? How big are we right, talking? So <laughs> JG was 9.8 and Joey was 9.12. And the average is five to eight pounds just for reference. So like 98th percentile for wow. both. And that was really hard on my body. I also had them back to back. They're 13 mm-hmm. months apart. And so I had um, a lot of discomfort in my lower back, my sacroiliac joint, my pubic symphysis, some core dysfunction, and obviously the pelvic floor was affected. And so that really allowed me to gain a lot more appreciation and, you know, understand this need for moms and for pregnant women and postpartum to help restore their core and pelvic floor. And this was really a changing point in my career that I saw this need 
even before social media and the TikToks and all of that became a thing, I really related personally to that experience. And till this day, it really pushes me to want to help women who were who are experiencing similar things or who want a better experience for themselves. So a lot of people asked me, um, what is a pelvic floor? And I said, well, we will have a professional answer that for you. So in English, let, let us know what a pelvic floor is. Sure. So I actually bought my pelvis and I'm going to show for people who are watching and for those who are not yes. watching, they can tune in for this part. So this is a female pelvic model where we have the hips on either side. Um, so the pelvic floor is a group of muscles that lay at the base of the pelvis, like the inside of a bowl. So I'll just show you from this angle. You can see they're really at the bottom and they also lie like a hammock from front to back. So starting off at the pubic bone and attaching back into the coccyx, the tailbone. And they also come on either side laterally into the what we call the sit bones. And so it's a group of muscles. There's many different layers, okay? There's this superficial layer, which includes, for example, the anal sphincter and these muscles over here. There's also the like middle layer, and then there's the deeper layer and the endopelvic fascia, which is another layer. So there's a lot going on, a lot of different muscles, 14 of them, and they, they really lie like in this area down here. So for those listening who can't really see this, okay. How can we describe that? So there's muscles that go around the urethra to hold in your pee. They go around the vagina on either side. Um, and they also help the levator ani. We call them a group of muscles that sort of lift the anus up. So they do two things. They close and they lift. So if you're sitting in your car right now listening to this and you just clench, those are the muscles we're talking about. Sometimes clench down below. <laughs> well, some people clench their glutes and their thighs, ah. and they also clench in their jaw. So there can be a lot of compensations. And oh. so clenching is is different for everybody. And this is what's so interesting is that people think it's easy to Kegel, but when it's come time to show me, it's not so easy. And we realize that there's ways to improve it and isolate the muscles and get them to work and function even better. Yeah. Yeah. Like when I'm looking at it visually, I see a bowl. Yeah. Like it looks like it's just like a bowl inside mm-hmm. your hips. Inside pelvis? The, I would say more of the pelvis. Oh, what's the bone? This is the hip. Yeah. Here. Okay. It looks like a bowl sitting inside your hips. Ah, mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And what is pelvic floor therapy? Mm-hmm. Well, in addition to the last question, I'm going to maybe quickly describe what the pelvic floor does. Okay. And then I can maybe show you why and what we treat. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Is that okay? Yeah. So I'm going to keep it very simple. There is five S's when we look at the role and function of the muscles. The first one is for sphincters. So they are important to close the the urethral sphincter and the anal sphincter to hold in urine, gas, and stool. But they also have to be able to open and lengthen to allow proper voiding, whether it's urine or your bowels as well. So like no funneling the poop and no urinary retention. So they have to do both. And they also, so the second S is for support. They support the organs inside of the pelvis, such as the bladder, the uterus, and the rectum for men, prostate, and bladder, and rectum. The third S is for sexual function. So these muscles play a huge role in blood flow, and they help erect the clitoris in women and the penis in men. 
And um, when these muscles are, you know, tight or overactive, that can cause more pain and discomfort with sexual intercourse, even orgasm and men, although like ejaculation, just to say. Um, but they also have to be, oh, and also with a good quality contraction, when your muscle is strong and endurance, it does bring on better quality orgasms as well and more pleasure. Yeah. So that's a bonus. The fourth S is for stability. So these muscles play an important role and they work together with the abdominal muscles, the diaphragm and some muscles in the back called the multifidi. And together they work to support the spine and the pelvis. And the last S, if we want, we can say it works as a sump pump. And this is important for like drainage and lymphatics and stuff like that. Can reduce swelling postpartum, for example. Wow. Okay. So Mm -hmm. that's a major part of your body. It does a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And I will say that if someone is, you know, either overactive where the muscles are too tight or they can be underactive where the muscles are too weak and lengthened, it can bring dysfunction and most often in more than one aspect. So if people are consulting for incontinence and I ask questions, we start to realize that it does affect supporting their organs and perhaps even an intercourse and in stabilizing themselves at the gym, which can bring on some low back pain, for example. So it affects people. And it, it just yeah. seems so funny because I'm thinking how we were both sent to come see you during pregnancy. But with everything that you're saying, it's almost like you should be somebody that people should just even see on a regular mm-hmm. basis. That's a good point. I feel like a lot of people do come when they present with symptoms because in physiotherapy, that's what we do. We treat someone who has pain, who has discomfort, dysfunction. We treat people who have asymmetries, who have tissue change, uh, who have restrictions and sensitivity, right? So we do treat people who present with symptoms, but I like to do a lot of prevention, especially in pregnancy, which we'll discuss in a little bit. So I feel like everyone can definitely benefit from having this information because if you do integrate the right strategies and you're more aware of your body, you just have better ways of utilizing these muscles like any other muscle in the body. If someone shows you how to do a good glute contraction and you bring that into a squat, it changes the way you feel your squat. So it's very much the same in that aspect with the pelvic floor. I remember when I was in your office and you were looking at my abs and I remember I had to like you could you could show me that I wasn't um, holding my ass. I remember it was like more upper and I wasn't doing it down in the abdominal. Yeah. I love that you brought that up. Oh, really? Because engaging muscles in the body is so intentional. And I feel like people think they know that they're doing abs, but often when I watch them, they're overacting, they're overengaging their hip flexors, their ribs are thrusted out, their alignment is off, and really they're compensating so much with momentum and other muscles. But if you really tune in to where you want to feel the contraction in your abs and where you're supposed to be loading, which is critical postpartum, especially with a gap in the linea alba, you have to be really intentional about where you're trying to feel the contraction. And by the way, it's the same with the pelvic floor. So sometimes I'll have my finger somewhere and I'll ask them what they're feeling underneath my finger. Um, So yeah. So how does pelvic floor therapy help support a woman during her pregnancy? So during pregnancy, there's two ways of looking at it. You can consult again, because you're having, you know, issues with your sacroiliac, your pubic 
bone or your pelvic floor and you're already symptomatic and you're coming for relief. Or you can come as a means of prevention, which we're getting increasing good literature and and science in that regard. So for prevention, you know, women are encouraged to come anytime after their first trimester or let's say between 20 to 24 weeks is sort of optimal. And what's nice is that they are being educated about their own body and their own pelvis and their muscles and where they are, and more importantly, how to connect with them. And through that, our goal is to, of course, optimize function and give them an exercise program according to what their needs are. So if they're having difficulty contracting and they have poor endurance, that's something that we'll want to work on versus a woman who has difficulty bearing down and relaxing and ask them to even push. I'm just curious, like if you had to push your baby, what would you do? And it's shocking how many women they're on their back and they're like, I don't know. (laughs) Right. They're pushing from the wrong part of their body. Yeah, because right. we're used to emptying our bowels and sitting. Right. And technically, when we're like in a squat, we have gravity helping. But when you're on your back or your side, that whole feeling changes. And a lot of women compensate with their breath and their arms, but nothing's happening in the pelvic floor. Mm-hmm. And so giving that awareness during the pregnancy, in my opinion, is so critical. And I feel like women really appreciate that knowledge and they feel empowered by it and gives them a better experience experience along their journey in, you know, not only their pregnancy, but more importantly, their labor and the pushing. And we have the science to support that where it does reduce the second stage of labor and the pushing time. So understanding how to push reduces your pushing time. And by doing that, you're reducing the the risks of for your baby first and foremost, right? right? So baby's happy and there's less risks of intervening with forceps and suction. So instruments and less risks of tearing and having trauma or needing in a C-section. So I cannot tell you how incredible I have seen in my practice as a clinician how this has really advantaged women. And this is the biggest part of prevention. But in addition to that, we also see in studies that it helps reduce urinary incontinence and pelvic organ prolapse. So again, reducing trauma, optimizing function, and reducing dysfunction after so all the reasons why one would consult during their pregnancy. Oh, yeah. I remember like at one point uh, during my labor, the doctor came in and was like, oh, okay, well, if you don't, uh, you know, deliver in the next 10 minutes, we're going to have to do a C-section. And I had practiced pushing with my nurse before and the nurse vouched for me. She's like, oh, no, this girl, she knows how to push. And I'm like, thank you, Leanne, you know, because yeah. you really um, made me understand like where to push from and if it wasn't for you, I would have, they would have probably thrown me in a C-section, you know? So one of the things that we do is the perineal massage, which we start at about 34 to 35 weeks. And people think that the massage is to help, you know, soften the tissues, which they do. They make them more supple and flexible. But one of the, my favorite parts of the perineal massage is as you feel that resistance and that stretch, a normal instinctive response is to want to clench and hold mm. back. But once you learn how to let go and yield to that pressure and to bear down, that's what makes a change in the push. Mm -hmm. And when you're getting that strong uterine contraction through the active labor, a normal instinctive response is to want to hold everything, right? But 
understanding how to lengthen the floor down to allow that to happen is something that you've experienced. But many other moms have told me, I recognize that feeling and I was able to, to feel how to push. And it's interesting to hear like some of the nurses, they like whisper, like, go get a doctor. She knows what she's doing. Yeah. yeah, yeah. (laughs) Oh yeah. Because the doctors really come like at the end, but the nurses can see when a woman is able to push properly and it completely changes. It changes everything. (laughs) A lot of them know, okay, well she's seen it. They they say it out loud. She's seen someone like she knows and they'll go get someone because it really changes that much their you know I mean there's so many organic factors that can come in the way which I don't want to take away some people do experience like where the baby's facing up or the umbilical cord so there's other things of course that can influence their um their right the outcome but we try to put the odds on our side and really giving them that power to be in the best position and that they really feel what their bodies are doing even with the epidural because you've practiced it you it, know. It, it was kind of like that for me only because I didn't feel as much as Allie did. But I think the average of like for pushing for your first child is about an hour, an hour and a half. And I only push for 20 minutes because of being with you. Amazing. Yeah. yeah. Wonderful. That's by the way, 20 minutes is remarkable. Like that's superstar pushing. Okay. Yeah. And also you can imagine <laughs> your pelvic floor and the recovery is so much easier because it suffered way less trauma. The muscles are able to sort of accommodate and then bounce back much easier than if the baby was down there for like two or two and a half hours. You can imagine how much pressure that's putting on the bladder and on the tissues and how that's stressing the surrounding structures as well. Right. Mm. And so we were both new to your practice. So how does somebody prepare when they're coming to see you? Because Ali and I didn't realize how intimate it was going to become the very first appointment. So how does somebody come prepared when they're coming to see you? Right. So we do have a comprehensive medical history, which is really, really important because it gives me a lot of information that can be useful in you know what we're addressing. And in addition to that, we definitely do a body screening. So we can look at the hips, the back and things like that. Um, And then we go and assess the pelvic floor muscles, which we have a lot of limitations from the outside is the truth. And so I think a lot of women don't expect us to do an an internal digital exam. So just to be clear, it's intravaginal and or intrarectal. And we do an internal exam to assess the muscles. So yeah. Yeah, we weren't prepared for that. No, No. I'm glad our listeners will know (laughs) what to expect (laughs) when they come see you. Um, yeah. And what is it that you're assessing? Oh, great. I'm, I'm looking at, so when I look at the muscles, I'm checking for, you know, the quality of the contraction, the strength, endurance, the coordination, the ability for the muscle to be able to relax and just the range of movement, like any other muscle in the body. I feel like when it comes to pelvic floor, people forget that we are a physiotherapist and we address the musculoskeletal system, including bones, joints, tendons, ligaments, and muscles in the very same way that we do in the pelvic floor. It's just more intimate as a setting, but we're really looking for it and we treat it the exact same way. It's no different. It's just more internal, um, which is why it's not included in the regular sort of curriculum as a physiotherapist, it's, it's an add-on. So graduates in physiotherapy do not, are not trained in pelvic floor physiotherapy. You have to take these additional courses because of the nature of intimacy, right? And so just to let people know, 
for those who have been to a physio clinic, you're typically like separated by a little curtain or, you know, with other patients in the room. But just so everyone knows, this is in a closed setting, very private. (laughs) Exactly. We try and get you to be as comfortable as possible. And we are very thorough in explaining what the intention is, you know, especially with my male patients, even more than women, Mm -hmm. and really giving them a clear explanation on what we will be checking, why, and what we want sort of out of that and what to expect in the intervention as well. And I mean, it's an intimate setting. I don't even know if that's the right word, but it's like a close encounter. And so just what it is, what is it like for you? In general, because I'm sure people come on and they're like, oh my God, she's in there and she's testing. She's testing. It's so funny you say that. I feel like women will often be like, oh my God, I didn't shave. Yeah. Look. Yeah. And I'm like, I, ha- I wouldn't have even known because I'm not checking for that. It's right. so, for me, it's like addressing an ankle or like a shoulder. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, I just, it's, I map the body. It's, it's weird to say that when I'm doing a digital exam, I envision the map. And I really am tuned into which muscle I'm on and what I'm assessing. So all of that other stuff, I'm not paying attention. Although I do look at the tissues in the very beginning, um, kind of like a dentist who's going to go to work in the mouth. They're going to check if the gums are like not bleeding and super swollen. So I always do a general vulvar exam just to ensure that there's like no tissue changes and things like that. And then I go ahead and check the muscle. Yeah. So I don't know. It's it's I, I feel like... This practice for me is so gratifying because I see how much it can impact the quality of life of women. I am so over the other stuff. Like I'm so normal with it. To me, it feels so normal that it's like treating any other part of the body. That 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 what I get back from it, it like trumps any awkwardness for me. And I have to say, like women are pretty. They come prepared, you know. Like yeah, but even if they're not, I'm, I wouldn't know. I wouldn't. Well, ladies, come as you are. <laughs> I'm I'm checking other things, yeah. So we talked a lot about prevention, but what about after giving birth? How soon should someone come and see you? It depends what they're coming for. If someone has tremendous pain and they have, for example, an open birth pattern, which is when the bones are more open, they can come before if they want like three to four weeks and we can do some external techniques or another common cause is pubic bone pain or like, you know, low back pain, things like that. But if they're coming generally just to check the pelvic floor, it does require about six weeks. So for the tissues to really heal and the scarring as well. And this is the same for having sexual intercourse and going to see the gynecologist. So it's about a six-week mark. And then we can do an internal exam and sort of uh, see and compare also objectively your before and after, which I would like to add that, you know, one of the greatest parts about coming before is that women get to feel what it's like to have good function before any trauma right? And having like knowing what your muscle is capable of and practicing it gives you that ability to sort of compare and say, huh, I don't feel so strong or I'm not feeling it the same way. So you have that baseline and I do objectively as well. So I can say, let's restore the muscles and sort of get back to where we were before. And that's a really great advantage that I love about seeing women before and not after. You say like, bladder issues are one of the biggest problems you see after delivery? 
So yes, for postpartum moms, the biggest thing that we see is incontinence, but more specifically with effort. So mm-hmm. effort incontinence means that the pressure in the abdomen, I don't know if you guys can see, but Lola's with me right now <laughs> and she's bringing me a sense of calmness and I like she's it. She's our third co-host. <laughs> <laughs> um, what were we talking about? The bladder incontinence. Oh, yeah. So yeah, so women would come and they would have symptoms with leaking, more specifically with effort. So effort is anything that would increase pressure in the abdomen, like coughing, sneezing, lifting, carrying, pushing, pulling, jumping, the famous trampoline. This would be um, a very common sort of dysfunction if the muscles are are either too weak or too tight and they're not working in the best way possible. But there's also a lot of prolapse as well, postpartum, especially with more traumatic births. This means that the organs are, you know, lower into the vaginal cavity. And sometimes they can even come borderline and even out in some more severe cases, right? And so we really want to increase that tone and provide more support for the organs. By the way, no, a lot of sexual dysfunction. Yeah. Can't leave that one out. A lot of women have pain with sex. Can we talk about that? Yeah. Yeah, Like a lot. I I would say nine and 10 of all, I mean, maybe it's biased because I'm only seeing people who come for problems, (laughs) but like a lot of women and no one talks about that. Right. And oh my God, I was so sensitive. What do I do? Then, you know, it's funny because a lot of women who hold back and wait, don't get better. They get worse. Mm -hmm. They come back and they're like, it's been six months and it still feels because it's the skin sensitive. We have to desensitize it. We have to talk with the nervous system. You need that touch, whether it's with your partner or with a practitioner, you know, you have to address the issues and why it is hurting. right? Right. Um, so all of that, I'm almost embarrassed to say, because like, I'm actually one of those people because I had a episiotomy, episiotomy. Mm-hmm. So it like the skin where that it was like cut was like delicate. Right. Of course. And uh, that is the case. Don't be embarrassed because that is the case with many women. And we talk, you know, about massaging a C-section and mobilizing the scar, but it's really no different for a perennial tear. And it's just in a kind of, you know, awkward area, but we do massages for scars for any scar in any orthopedic protocol. If you had a knee surgery, a back surgery, the first thing that we do is address the scar because if the scar is restricted, that re- that limits mobility and affects all that fascia and connective tissue intertwining into the muscle. And it is so, oh my gosh, it's so incredible to see how much we gain in one session. It's amazing. And they leave there feeling the difference and the change. And it's really, it's something that's so easy to address. And I can give you also, of course, some exercises and massages that you can integrate at home. So we give you tools, obviously, right? That's what we give you a lot of exercise. You leave with a lot of homework, homework. usually, a lot yep. of homework. And we try and empower you and, you know, helping yourself as well. And a lot of tips and tricks regarding lubricants and, you know, even like, with your partner, this, there's so much to talk about, about in, in that regard. Yeah. But you're not, yeah, don't be embarrassed. It's very, <laughs> no, you're definitely not the only one. And I'm glad that you brought that up because you would think that it's incontinence and people ask me like, oh, you're in physio, you just treat bladder issues. You know, I'm like, no, 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 no. We, we do so much, so much. beyond that. And what about for women who had a C-section? We're talking Mm -hmm. about scars. So how is pelvic floor therapy able to help in that domain after birth? Right. So 
Regardless of a C-section or a vaginal birth, your core was tremendously affected. You have to know that your abdominal muscles were lengthened beyond their regular yeah. you know, capacity. And this causes a lot of distension and a lot of tension even within those muscles. So regardless of the type of birth you've had, we want to address the core and restore the core. And in some women, they have that diastasis recti, which is when that connective tissue that comes in between that six pack muscle sort of separates and stays separated, which is, you know, 33% of the of moms. And so we definitely give you some exercises that are very, again, intentional in trying to close those muscles and tissues. Now for the scar, um, manual therapy goes such a long way. And Early on, you can really mobilize a scar at any point, but when the scar is immature and it's still in these early stages of healing, we can get a lot more progress quickly. Whereas when the scar is mature, it might take longer to reach, but we can also, like, we can always get changes. So it's never too late, by the way, to work anything. And we ensure that there's good mobility because remember that a C-section is deep. It's not just surface. There are many, many layers. It's going through like past the fascia, the skin, the muscle, and then into the organ and into the uterus, right? And so there's a lot that can tether in deeper in the abs. And I often get asked about like that pooch, you know, that hangs over the C-section. And that's, it's trick. It's a trick question because if someone lost a lot of weight and has more tissue laxity, part of it could just be aesthetic and that we can't really address that part. But certainly if there are some adhesions and something kind of tethering in, uh, we can totally do a lot, a lot of work, different work, you know, skin rolling, cupping, um, just myofascial release, muscular stuff. So there's a lot of inv- uh, tools that we so have in our toolbox. If someone's listening to this right now, had a C-section two years ago, had no idea that they could come and do this, they could still come and see you now at this point? If it's bothering them and it gets in the way, sure. If they feel fine and it looks fine and it doesn't bother them, they don't need to come. It's more like if they're getting, if they're feeling bothered, if it's sensitive, if it's pulling, if it's, if they're not engaging their core in the same way because of the C-section, right? Sometimes the muscles need help to, when there's trauma, they get inhibited and they lose a sense of sensation or ability to contract. So that could be something that they want to address. So we talked a lot about different issues during pregnancy, um, issues you can encounter during your labor. How does a mama know that something is off and it's crucial to come and see you? Right. So they can come postpartum, right, just to restore their core and their pelvic floor. But if they don't come and there is something sort of underlining that needs to be addressed, you know, if it's a prolapse, they might feel some heaviness or like a presence or a bulge, for example, in the vaginal area, even like at the end of the day when they're more tired or with increased physical activity or even in physical activity moms want to go back to hiking or running or a particular sport that is maybe more demanding or CrossFit, that might be something that they want to address and ensure that they are integrating, you know, the right strategies that are safe for where they're at postpartum, whether it be early on or after. So just to be clear for activities, you can start doing low impact and sort of gentle movement at the six week mark, which 
women often think that because they got the green light, they can go crazy and sort of go back to what they were doing before, which is absolutely not the case, right? You want to give your body a chance to restore, not just pelvic floor wise, but like hormonally and the uterus like shrinking and the organs finding their way back. There's so much more that you need to be mindful of when going postpartum. And so we can give them a little bit better direction in that regard. Other symptoms that we had mentioned would be, for example, bladder leakage or someone who has a lot of urgency and frequency of urination as well. Uh, we talked something to look for. Yeah, like if you're always looking for the toilet or you have that overactive bladder that you had even before, that could be another reason for consulting. And then, of course, you know, pain with sex is like a no-go. So definitely if you have that come. And um, I would say, yeah. We pretty much covered everything. I think that would be more obvious, but there's always other things that I guess can impact. So, you know, other than just the pelvic floor muscles, there's a lot of muscles that attach into the pelvis. There's the glutes, the hamstrings, the abdominal muscles, the adductors, and the inner thighs. So these can also influence the role and the function in the pelvis. So that's something that we can treat. Like if someone has a lot of tightness in their groin because of compensations and how they walked when they were pregnant, right? So sometimes when we're pregnant, not sometimes, I mean, all the time, your center of gravity changes. The weight is pulling you in a different direction. So what do we do? We open our feet, we put them a little further apart. We tend to waddle. Are you waddling yet, Ali? No, not waddling. No, (laughs) there's a little bit more of a waddle and that really inhibits like the the glutes. So a lot of mummies had that flat butt, right? Or like the heart shaped butt at the Mm -hmm. end. And that really changes how the muscles need to adapt. And so we can also address that. Trying to think, am I leaving anything out? It kind of reminds me of um, Anne-Marie when she says, oh, I'm pregnant. It hurts. I'm supposed to be in pain. I'm just pregnant. You know, it's kind of women after birth are telling themselves, oh, well, it's, I, I just gave birth. Everything shifted. It's normal to feel like this, but you know, you can actually see a pelvic floor therapist and you can help, I guess, restore and regenerate to your body back to what it was because yeah. you shouldn't be having pain during sex so right in the early three months I think that you can be more forgiving and if yes. you have symptoms that's totally fine you know your body went through a lot but if the symptoms persist beyond the three month mark you can you know say there is something that I need to address and just for urinary incontinence as an example if the symptoms persist beyond three months there's a 95 percent chance that they will not go away on their own. Yeah, there is something happening. So I, I think I mentioned this a few times, but I think it's so important to know that we treat muscles that are either overactive or underactive, so either too tight and stiff, and they're not able to contract fully, and they're limited in movement, and they're lacking suppleness and flexibility, or muscles that are more lengthened and are lacking tone and support. And so if the muscles are stiff, for example, then we have to do more manual work right? And we have to sort of address that more manually. Whereas if the muscles are more lengthened and overstretched, that's maybe more exercise prescription. Same thing like a shoulder, like an ankle. I was just thinking you subluxed like your shoulder. For massage, you know, and you need to right. it loosen sometimes. Yeah. Right. If there's tightness in a joint, you have a frozen shoulder, you mm-hmm. got to really mobilize the articulation, you have to get it moving. But if you had a subluxation, you got to reinforce and you got to add some exercises to strengthen. So that's that's something that we do. And so there is like maybe the assumption that once you've given birth, that you've developed a, what's the word we're using? Loose vagina. (laughs) 
That's everyone's fear, right? (laughs) Yeah. And a lot of women think that they have a loose vagina and they're like even scared to do their perennial massage because they're like, I don't want to get a loose vagina. So, and I'm so happy that you asked me that because, you know, when a muscle is functional and it's working and you don't suffer trauma, that's when your vagina works properly. If you tear because you're scared to get a loose vagina, that will give you more dysfunction and more symptoms, right? Um, And a lot of women are told to do their kegels and to reinforce. But what's important to highlight is that the genital system and the reproductive system is one that we are always wanting to protect. And if there's any pain there, given the scar or given the level of trauma, and even like emotionally, we want to protect that our brain is protecting that area. And so what we often see, and this is not talked about often enough, and I'm hoping women are listening to this part, is that the muscles often get really restricted and tight. And in this case, Kegels are absolutely not the answer. In fact, it might be the opposite. It might be having to stretch and lengthen and relax, and that will give them in return better function. So even leaking, we think that leaking is because the muscles are too loose. But what if the muscles are too tight? And they're not able to contract and they don't have range. It's as if I'm saying, go to the gym and do biceps, but your bicep curl is limited in 30 degrees of movement. Are you going to get a pump in your muscle? Are you going to get good range? And are you going to be able to um, get muscular changes? Is Is the muscle functioning in the best way possible? No, it's tight, right? It's limited. And so... No loose vagina. (laughs) (laughs) Hashtag. Hashtag. It's shocking how many women come with the opposite. They're too tight. And they're like, what? But I had a vaginal birth. And it's like, but it's tight. And they're like, yeah, I have a lot of pain with intercourse. My bowels are different. I'm more constipated. I was like, well, there you go. Let's fix that. Yeah. Well, you've shed so much light on... Um, pelvic floor therapy for pregnant women and postpartum. And you were saying that that's like 25% of your clientele. Right. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So people assume that my practice is just pre and postnatal and it's definitely not. It's just, it's a, it's a small fraction of what different things that I treat. And so I definitely treat both male and female just to be clear. And I treat a lot of pain and the pain could be nerve related, joint related, muscular related. Yes, it often does affect the genitalia because that's the nature of where I work. So just an example, if a nerve is being compromised, someone might get a manifestation along the distribution of that nerve. So if a nerve coming through the abdomen is being compromised, right? Someone might present with labia pain, vaginal pain, or testicular pain for men, um, when or clitoral pain, by the way, which in that case, the tissues, the brain is tricking you. You think that that is the problem, but the issue is coming from other sources. And so when I, I think I mentioned that before, it's not just about the pelvic floor, but the surrounding structures that kind of tie into that plexus or that part of the body. And so what else? Uh, I think we had mentioned prolapse, sexual dysfunction. I see a lot of cancer patients as well, someone who may have had a surgery or chemotherapy and most mostly radiation, actually, that those really change the tissues and the pelvic floor. So just to give you some examples, like a hysterectomy, um, vulvar issues, bladder, I've seen bladder cancer, penis cancer, anal cancer, a lot of prostate cancer. So all the cancers within the pelvic area would be something that you can 
you know, consult for after to, again, restore movement, restore function, goes back to quality of life, right? We're not changing their prognosis, even for endometriosis. I can't change that you have endo, but I can provide you with better mobility and better blood flow to reduce the pain. A lot of the nerves, yeah, our nerves live in our fascia and the connective tissue. This is where the nerves are. And you can imagine if there's a restriction in blood flow, the nerves get really cranky and super unhappy. And so we are really trained to work the muscles, but beyond that kind of part. If someone presents with a back issue and that's where it's coming from, I'll refer them. That's a bit out of my scope of practice when it comes to like, you know, upper back or lower, even lower back. If it's mm-hmm. mobilization of the spine, I someone else can do that. But if it's pertaining to areas that connect to the pelvis, then yes. Truly your specialty. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. So Leanne, you had an activity you wanted us to do? So Melania, I'm going to have you blow in this balloon. Um, so yeah, I'm going to, here. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> Should I be sitting in a certain way or I'm just sure. going for it? Yeah, you can be sitting up, right? Like I forgot how to blow a balloon. <laughs> Keep going. going. Yeah. So I want to ask you, you can take a break. Wait. I want to ask you, what is your pelvic floor doing as you blow into the balloon? Pay attention. I feel like it's like opening. Okay. You feel like it's opening down? Yeah. I feel a tightness in my abs, but then I almost feel like I'm opening. Okay. All right. So you feel like a gentle bulge down in the vagina? Yeah. Yeah. So what you want to be feeling is a tightness. You want to feel like the muscles are actually closing and that they're tightening when you're blowing into the balloon. Yeah. 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 How did that one feel? Different. (laughs) So this is an interesting exercise. What we know is that the pelvic floor and the core, they work together to, you know, help stabilize the, the the canister and that essentially when you're blowing in the balloon one of the things that you don't want to do is push that pressure down into your vagina because if you keep pushing it down every time that you're straining and exerting effort that can cause weakness and dysfunction and leaking and prolapse right right that's so, what I feel like I'm doing I feel like it's like as if the air is like coming out do you know what I mean yeah. like I don't have to and so exactly. So I, I think a lot of people assume that they have leaking or dysfunction, for example, because the muscle is the problem. But what if the muscle wasn't the problem? What if it was about timing and coordination and teaching your pelvic floor how to react better when you're putting pressure? So leaking, if you increase too much pressure in the abdomen and the pelvic floor is not participating enough, it's going to result into too much bulging and pressure. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, one of the exercises that we did, I don't know if you guys remember, but it's called the perineal lock or the knack where I teach you to contract before and during a cough. And everyone feels very awkward doing it because they can hear and they're everyone's like, why are you coughing? <laughs> Do you guys remember that exercise? We is have this, to is this, does this tie in with the blueberry? Because we didn't even talk about the blueberry. Yeah. Well, because so you would. Yeah. So 
I often cue because it's very difficult to understand how to do a pelvic floor contraction, right? And I use different cues to help women envision um, what their muscles are supposed to be doing. And so what I like to do, and you guys have for sure done this, is in the first session, I have you close your eyes, sort of visualize and map out where the pelvis sits in your body. And then I ask you to sort of, you know, close the urethral sphincter, the vagina, the anus, and then I use the blueberry. And I say, okay, imagine that you're trying to pick up a blueberry with your vagina or your anus. You always laugh at this. Even in clinic, you die. (laughs) I'm like, who who picks up a blueberry that way? (laughs) Pick up a blueberry. I'm like, okay, well, pick up a marble or a Kleenex. I said that to you. I was like, what if you're picking a Kleenex, you know? Right. So you have to envision that closing when you're picking it up, but then the lifting in. And a lot of women think that Kegeling is just closing, but they're missing the lifting part. I'm like, you have to suck the blueberry in. Mm. And then it's like they finally get that better contraction. Yes. So that's the blueberry thing. Yeah. (laughs) Trying to release the air of the balloon. Yeah. You're trying to release. (laughs) Yeah. And so the perennial locking, by the way, goes back to timing training the pelvic floor when to contract at the right time, but also when to relax at the right time. We lost Melania. We lost her. Oh, she let go of the balloon in case anyone's wondering. (laughs) So based on the activity that we just did, what do you want women to remember from this or learn from this activity? That we train the pelvic floor to have good timing. There's a time to turn on the muscle. If it's not doing it already, then we want to teach it how to be doing it. So there's a timing and coordination with the perennial locking exercise, for example. But it can also be for women who want to trampoline, who want to do box jumps, who want to lift heavy, and who feel like a bulge or pressure or leaking and don't quite feel right. And so, yeah, about timing. Yeah, it's a oh. lot of like breathing, right? And coordination. I feel like it's like a muscle that you don't think about that you should be thinking about when you're doing these it activities. It coordinates with your breath, but not just turning on the muscle, but when to turn it off, right? Some people are upregulated. They're always clenching. They're always tightening. But there's times that you want to let go. If you're watching Netflix, your muscle should not be contracting. If you're voiding, your muscle needs to be releasing. If you're giving birth. You should be bearing down and then bulging. By the way, that balloon, that's an exception. When you're giving birth, that is, and pooping, by the way, those are the two times that you want to use that intra-abdominal pressure to to bulge down. Any other time, it should be lifting and supporting. Yeah. Some review for you guys, okay? There you have it. (laughs) Yeah. I think I'm due to come see you in two weeks anyway. (laughs) We'll we'll reassess the exercises I've been doing. (laughs) I'll I've been doing them while we're sitting here, by the way. No one knew. What a practical <laughs> use of an hour. I'm telling you. <laughs> Leanne, before we wrap up our podcast, we like to ask our guests two questions. The first one being, what is your favorite baby product that you used with your children? I know it was maybe a while ago, but what was your like go-to favorite baby product? My favorite baby product were the pajamas that had the zipper and not the buttons. Yes. Oh, yeah. Why don't they make more pajamas with zippers? Yeah. Like yeah. once you have them, you can't go back. No. Yeah. Who came up with the buttons for a moving child? I know. And like so in many. the dark, zero. three o'clock yeah. in the morning. Zero. The zippers. So smart. The zipper. Yeah. Yeah. Those are great onesies. And then favorite mama product. My favorite mommy product. Well, I started off buying a little pump at the pharmacy and then I went to like a slightly better one. But with my second, I got the hospital grade like fancy pump that I rented. And I wish I would have known that for my first. 
Um, I did breastfeed both of them, but because they were born bigger, I had to supplement in the first two weeks and sort of catch up on my own. And so, and I liked the ability to get more, uh, if I had to go out, I had that option where I can supplement with, if I pump the milk, right? So a good pump. I wish I would have known that the first time. Invest in a good pump from the beginning. I'm buying a brand new one for my second one. You see? But if you would have done it the first time, you would have had the same. My sister-in-law gave me her like Medela one. Yeah. But her eldest is eight years old now. So it's like a nine-year-old pump. And I was like, I feel it's like too like long right now. Along. <laughs> yeah, the sound of it's like... Yeah. Oh my God. That sound haunts me. It haunts me. I hear it in the background sometimes. I'm like, oh my God. I feel like you turned that on in a room full of moms. Everyone's gonna be like, <laughs> I just bought the like hands free one. They stick it in the bra and get your background. Yeah, review that on that. That didn't exist back then. No. I had to actually take a, a bra and cut them myself and then like invent this contraption that I can, you know, not have to hold it in place. I, I was I feel like they did have a bra, but it wasn't good. <laughs> Oh, no. How times have changed. Times have yeah. changed. Leanne, we really can't thank you enough for coming in for Small In Studio and just shedding your expertise and the light on pelvic floor therapy. We're so thankful. Yeah. That was a lot of fun. Yeah. It was fun. And thank you guys so much. I feel like a lot of women, you know, they'll say, I wish I would have known. I wish we'd talk about it more. And when you presented me with this sort of option about having this podcast, I thought this was such a nice opportunity for women to gain more information and knowledge and empower themselves and making choices that can really impact their journey. So thank you so much for that opportunity. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. And that was another real and raw conversation. See you next time. <laughs>